Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 216. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are here this week to discuss Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yes, continuing to catch up with some 2022 film reviews. Oh yeah, this film had a lot of hype around it. This was one that people had been talking about for a long time because it was Marvel's first foray into horror. And of course, when you get Sam Raimi on board, you know that you're in for something interesting. You know Bruce Campbell's going to be attached to it somewhere along the line. But this was one of those films that was delayed because of the pandemic. So we had to wait a super long time before we got to see the completed film. So there was just so much hype around it. Well, not just this being delayed because of the pandemic too. It also altered the course of WandaVision. Yeah, so, and and WandaVision obviously ended up playing such a massive role in this that you kind of had to let WandaVision breathe before you could put this out. Right. You couldn't just roll one into the next because, you know, Wanda was such an integral part of this. And it was also nine episodes. You had to give people a chance to catch up with it, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I just want to get into it because this is a very long, well, not a very long movie. It, here's the thing. It only has a runtime of two hours and eight minutes. I don't think for a film of just over two hours, I have had so many pages of notes and plot, but this film is just all over the place with its settings. You're in this multiverse, you're in this multiverse, you're here, you're here, you're here. It just jumps around so much. Well, to be fair, they did kind of spell that out with the title. Yes. I guess that's going to be a big question that we ask. Was this, in fact, a multiverse of madness? Was this better than the first Doctor Strange film? Can he carry his own movies? That, on top of many other things, is what we are here to discuss today. This episode is sponsored by Lost Weekend Co-Planners for Dreamers and Doers. These subtle Disney day planners are inspired by Walt's creation of Disneyland and are designed to remind you of what can happen when one person fearlessly pursues their dreams. The 12-month planner contains annual goal-setting pages, monthly setup pages and habit trackers, plus a calendar view with inclusive holidays and magical dates in Disney history, weekly scheduling with plenty of space for writing, monthly and quarterly reflections, as well as end-of-the-year review pages. Pixie dusted throughout are quotes from Walt Disney and other dreamers. The planner has a beautiful fabric cover that will fit any decor and is made with sustainability in mind from thick FSC certified recycled paper. And it comes in a keepsake box to hold park maps, tickets, and your favorite Disney memories. At the time of this recording, there are limited quantities of 2023 planners available. So head over to lostweekendco.com to order yours now or sign up for the newsletter to see all of the new products Lost Week and Co. will be launching this year. Okay, we have no choice but to do a linear review. I'm gonna. We're gonna go crazy if we try to read this entire plot and then go back. I really did want to challenge Sean though and have him do the plot off the cuff without even writing it down. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I could literally do that now, but it it wouldn't do the film a justice. I mean, I would love honestly. Okay, before we get into, I would love to f- sum this film up in thirty seconds, and I kind of feel like I could. But I wouldn't be doing the film a justice. Like this is a film that you can either sum up in thirty seconds, or you have to, or you have to flesh it out over thirty minutes. It, as odd as that sounds, 
it kind of makes sense. Like, as I'm sitting here reading through all of these notes, notes it makes sense to me that it's either 30 seconds or 30 minutes yeah. to flesh this whole thing out. No, you're right. Okay, we see Doctor Strange and America Chavez try to obtain the Book of Ashanti. However, a creature is pursuing them to try and take America's powers. Doctor Strange is badly injured and unable to contain the beast, so he starts to take America's powers, which begin to kill her to protect the multiverse. He says that her sacrifice is for the best of the multiverse. The creature, however, mortally wounds Strange, whose dying act is to help America escape into another universe. All of this turns out out to bill uh to be a dream or so we think um off the rip incredible world building it's what you expect to see not just in a marvel film but specifically in a doctor strange film when we're going into the multiverse and i think that also comes from this director as well um you know sam raimi's gonna come out swinging and boy does he ever At first, I thought it was a little jarring because it was such a risky move to introduce a brand new character in this way. But for this film and the way that this is going to play out, it totally works. Yeah, we're going to hold on talking about her, about America Chavez, until we get a little deeper in. Because she has so very little screen time here that you really can't flesh out a character this early on. I, I actually loved, you're right, it was a risk, but I loved that we were immediately in the multiverse. I love that we didn't waste any time getting there. Um, That's something that I think Sam Raimi does very well. Like, if you watch a lot of his films, he builds up a little bit, but he doesn't waste a lot of time to get you where you need to be. Like, Evil Dead, he doesn't wait long to get you in that cabin, to get you with the Book of the Dead. He, he spends more time showing you the consequences than building up to the consequences, which I think sometimes some of these films suffer from. I definitely agree with that, and I also think that this is a good departure for the character because so much of Doctor Strange's first movie was explanation and him trying to harness this new power. So it was nice to kind of throw him right into it. For sure. Later that day, Strange finds himself as a guest, uh, as a guest at Christine Palmer's wedding. At the reception, Strange apologizes and wishes things would have turned out differently, but Christine assures him that it wouldn't have worked out. Outside, chaos ensues as an octopus-type beast tries to kill America Chavez. Strange and Wong, now Sorcerer Supreme, battle the beast before killing it and saving America, and when Strange mentions seeing her... In a dream, she tells him that it was, in fact, the multiverse. Okay, this was a huge surprise for me because in the first film, him and Christine are already at odds with each other. There was, you know, they start off and it's kind of an are they or aren't they together. You know that there's a lot of water under the bridge, but he treats her so poorly throughout the rest of that film. They're already donezo. So I'm glad that they bought her back. And that was something that we did discuss when we reviewed the first one was that we felt like they underutilized her character so much. And she kind of just kept getting pushed into the background and we were hoping that they would develop her more. So I love that we got her back here, but the wedding was a big surprise for me because 
just due to the nature of Strange's powers and all of the training that he's done at Carmitage, compounded with their relationship being over, you kind of forget that he has a personal life. You know, it's not like Tony and Pepper where you always know he's going to go home to her, even though Tony does end up making this enormous sacrifice. That's a big part of his arc was that he gained his his family and his daughter and he didn't want to give that up or even someone like wanda obviously we see her whole relationship play out with vision so we've always been given these raised stakes by everyone's personal relationships because that's already been stripped away for dr strange it's so easy to forget that he would be affected by the blip and christine's wedding is the perfect way to do that. That was something that I had mentioned too, that we never found out what happened to her during the five years, if she was turned to dust or not. Now we get that answered. We sure do. It was a little on the nose, I thought, with her, but there was no way that you weren't going to have her in the film. And you're right, you had to sort of flesh it out without spending time fleshing it out that she wasn't blipped off the face of the earth. She did move on. This was just the easiest way to do it. As I'm watching all of this happen, though, like, could you imagine a world where this has become normal? Just this octopus thing appears in midtown Manhattan outside of a wedding reception and starts wreaking havoc. Just imagine that this is real. I absolutely love this, though, because we have seen the attack on New York in Avengers before with Loki. But this is where Raimi really starts to blend the genres because the octopus feels more like a monster than an alien. It does. It's a very Sam Raimi creature to see. It feels a little Godzilla, a little King Kong, but I feel like it works so well here. And here's the thing. The CGI is both good and bad at the same time. I thought that the creature looked good. When the creature got a hold of Doctor Strange, though, it looked horrible. I wonder, though, if there was, if that was a deliberate choice to kind of make it a little campy. I mean, given the fact that it's Sam Raimi? Yeah. There's campy, and then there's Evil Dead. Evil Dead is campy in its delivery of what's happening. But for a student film that at this point is over 40 years old... (laughs) The makeup in Evil Dead is incredible. Yeah. It holds up. It's better than most movie makeup today. No, and to your point, campy makeup is a lot different than bad CGI. Right. I'm I'm trying to give it credit here because we were a little bit critical when we watched the first Doctor Strange that I, I had actually said that I couldn't understand in a world after Inception had come out why some of those world-bending scenes looked so wonky Mm -hmm. but i i think they well i thought they upped their game here i didn't really catch that with the cgi i think for the most part they did i'll say this now because i i honestly don't have a lot of notes on the special effects outside of this one personally i think the world builds i think the multiverse and i think the special effects in this movie are as good as anything we've seen in the MCU. This is just the one sore spot for me. Otherwise, I think that the effects in this film are actually quite stunning. I agree with that, and I think part of that is because they are blended with practical, which we will get into. For sure. Um, Let's talk about Xochitl 
Gomez for just a moment. She plays uh, America Chavez. And now we've seen a little bit more of her. I kind of like this funky punky thing she's got going on. I think she's intriguing. And I think that she does a good job towing the line between a kid that's in trouble and a kid that is causing trouble. You just hit it right on the head. Intriguing is the perfect word because the funky punky was going down kind of a slippery slope when she steals the um the the ring. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. It's it's got a name for it like a Swifty or something and I can't yeah, remember I don't what remember it is what he called it. Um, they they do say it. it. It's like an affectionate nickname. Yeah, that like Strange a slingy or something. Uh, I think that's it, actually. Maybe it was a slingy. Yeah. I don't know. It was something to that effect. Um, Swifties are a whole different breed. Uh, anyway. Swifties are killing Ticketmaster, and I love it. But you <laughs> yeah. go ahead. You go right ahead. <laughs> Keep at it, guys. Both um, the Swifties and you. Um. Anyway, uh, I feel like she had the potential to be very annoying seeing as in the first five minutes of meeting her, not even because at this point we think she's been a dream sequence, but turns out she's a real person. Her first move is theft. And then her second move when they're all sitting down eating pizza, um, you know, she's like, you don't know anything about this. You don't know about my eating habits. I'm not going to get sick. And I feel like that had the potential to become very off-putting and it never did. I love the pizza scene, by the way. Hard to watch now because all I want is a slice of New York pizza. Uh, but the dialogue is great. It's very witty. When the fan comes up to the table trying to take a picture, yes, I do mind. No, we're not doing this. Like, it's it's great. It's so on brand for Doctor Strange, and I just love him in that moment. Uh, but God, the continuity with that pizza is awful. Maybe it's just me staring at the pizza, but there is a half-folded slice of pizza on the tray in some shots while she's eating another piece, and other times it's gone. I can get you a very good piece of pizza later tonight if you so choose, if you really want pizza that badly. I will wait until this weekend when I'm back in New York and I can get a real slice of pizza. All right, yeah, you go ahead and enjoy. Um, all right, so America tells them that she can travel through the multiverse and that a demon is pursuing her to take her powers and that she is also pursuing the book of Vashanti. Strange is reluctant to believe her until he sees the corpse of the multiverse Strange that she dragged in with her. They realize that this is witchcraft, not a curse, so Strange tracks down Wanda and asks her for help with the multiverse. He asks her to come to Camartage, and Wanda suggests that America comes to her. She realizes Strange never told Wanda America's name, and she exposes that the Darkhold has taken Wanda, and uh, that Wanda wants to go to a world where she is reunited with her children. Wanda tells Strange that America's sacrifice would be for the greater good and swears that the Scarlet Witch will come for her if they don't hand America over to her. Uh, brilliant, 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 brilliant. This is I can't such, say it enough. It's such a seamless transition from WandaVision. Like, you could watch WandaVision. In fact, I would like to do this someday. Not anytime soon because we're just too busy. But I think someday I would like to do an all-day rewatch of Wanda into this film because I think that it is just so seamless that you could pull it off. 
Yeah, because we did try before we saw this in theaters. We reviewed Doctor Strange, didn't have time to get Wanda in before we saw it, and then we went right back for Wanda and ended up doing a bonus episode for it because we wanted to really see the transition on her end. Um, Even going back, though, to the intro of Zombie Strange, I just thought that that was so smart because now with the multiverse, you know, they alluded into they alluded to it in Loki. We saw it play out in Spider-Man. And then we also got what if and there's all of these crazy scenarios and somehow they managed to blend them in a way that all makes sense. The fact that she thought to bring back the corpse as proof and now zombie strange is in this world. Uh, I just thought that that was so smart and not believe it or not, not too far fetched for this film. Um, And then I love how Wanda is reintroduced. Uh, I love when it dawns on Wong that they're going to need an all-powerful being Mm -hmm. or a witch. Right. And they creep in her signature soundtrack underneath it. The only thing that I'm not jiving with is when he goes to find her, why is she not at the cabin when we saw her in the yeah, last scene or true. I didn't even think, I think about that was that. an end credit scene was an in end WandaVision scene, the last episode of WandaVision I didn't even think about that because oh it stood out to me like a sore thumb because that was like the big brouhaha when that came out was that it was supposed to be strange going to see her and they never finished the CGI of him flying in so I'm wondering maybe if that's why they didn't do it and they're trying to cover up that they never finished. Um, Maybe. But I, I would have preferred just just give us that. You know, this orchard doesn't really make a lot of sense. But the reveal is fantastic uh, when uh, she slips with America's name after and she realizes he never said it. When we saw the movie for the first time and she said, bring America here, I went, oh, he didn't tell her yep. the girl's name. So you knew something was up. I love how utterly unhinged she is. This is, uh, I mean, WandaVision was outstanding um, for Elizabeth Olsen, but I think she's even better in this than she was in WandaVision because of, because of how completely unhinged she becomes and self-righteous. Um, the, the, the whole statement that she makes about how what Doctor Strange did with Vision and how he becomes a hero, she does the same thing and becomes the villain. She makes a very valid point. I got to be honest with you. I completely agree. No, the the whole scene is fantastic, especially because, you know, we're so on her side in WandaVision. We feel her pain. We're, we're kind of shocked that she went through these lengths just to create her perfect world. And after she takes Agatha down, you know, we know where she ends up. We know that she's completely on her own, but like we don't really know how she's doing and how that impacts her standing with everyone else. So they have this really witty banter about getting her back on the lunchbox and redeeming herself. And Strange even tries to level with her that this was all a big misunderstanding and he can get her back in everyone's good graces. And then the bomb drops that this is all just a ruse and she's already pretty much at the point of no return. Yeah. 
it's it's just so well done. And I think that's kind of where they get away with her not being in the cabin too, because the cabin, you can't, you can't assume that the cabin was even real. I mean, she's very clearly just making all of this up. She's fabricating this entire world that she lives in. So you could make the case for, she did the same thing with the cabin, but now she wants this weird orchard. Well, she was, she was dreamwalking at the cabin. That's when they do the reveal that she has the dark hold, but there was another Wanda there. So that could have been a, another multiverse if she was doing the possession at that point. For sure. I also think uh, it's worth noting. It's interesting that strange try is the one to go and level with her and, and is pitching her on this idea of getting back in everybody's good graces. When you think about what an arc he had in the first film and right. how his motivation was all ego driven to, to get his hands functioning again so that he could operate, not because he wanted to save people just because he wanted all the accolades that came along with that. Right. He wants to stroke his ego. Exactly. And now you've had him come so far not so much in his own movie. I mean, like, yes, he does end up in a good place at the end of it, but really it's the Avengers film where he takes these, all of the Avengers films where he's taking these leaps and bounds. And yeah. now he's the one pitching to someone to get back on the straight and narrow. Yeah, it's, you're right. It's, it's a good full circle moment for him that honestly he did need because when we did talk about the first film, we said he's borderline dislikable. And that's why we liked him more in the Avengers films than we did in his own film. So you needed to get him, you needed to grow him because otherwise it's just two steps back, which wouldn't make sense for the continuity and the continuation of this MCU. But you also can't have him in a second film where he's just not all that likable either. Yeah, no, and I think that's important to keep in mind as we keep talking through this because it is going to help determine is the sequel even better than the first one. Right. So, sorcerers arrive at Comertage to help protect it as well as America, and Wanda arrives to ask for America in exchange for a world where Strange can be with Christine. Strange refuses, and Wanda, now the Scarlet Witch, gets in the minds of the sorcerers that are fending her off and unleashes an attack on Kamertage. Wanda destroys the temple and most of the sorcerers becoming more unhinged and more obsessed with her kids in every moment. She fights off Strange and Wong, terrifying America to the point where she travels into another universe with Strange because now we have learned that America can only travel through the multiverse in moments where she is absolutely terrified. She cannot actually control when she does and does not open these portals. This is an incredible fight scene. Yes. It's so well done. It's easy to follow. And this is the point where this becomes very much the Sam Raimi MCU film. Yes. Because we've talked in the past about how some of the battle scenes, especially as the MCU drew on, they were brutal. These fights throughout this entire movie are some of the most gruesome, brutal, violent, bloody deaths that we see in the MCU, and that is a di direct reflection of Sam Raimi. Absolutely. 
you knew going in, especially with that fatal wound in the quote unquote dream sequence in the opening scene, you knew it was going to be a much darker film. But here's where they really deliver on it. Um, I also love the balance that they struck of evolving Wanda into Scarlet Witch, because as much as I love the scene prior, it is our one last glimpse of the Wanda that we know and love. She gives Strange one last chance to be reasonable. And now it's like, all right, the gloves are off. We're going to keep what we know about this character. But like, we can't love her anymore. She's gone. Like Wanda almost dies at this point because she is fully Scarlet Witch now. Yeah. Um, And the Scarlet Witch is just so good. Like, I think I like the Scarlet Witch more than I like Wanda. I mean, we said I was never a big fan of Elizabeth Olsen when she was doing all of her indie films. But the more Wanda we've got, I didn't even love her in Age of Ultron. But the more that we've got of Wanda, the more that I just love the character and I respect the actress so much more. I love how Elizabeth Olsen even evolved her character here, not just in the fact that she's darker. Her hand movements are bigger. She's fighting harder she just kills it here she does um and the other thing that totally rocks is this multiverse travel when strange gets pulled in and you see there's an animated strange there's a strange made of blocks there's a i think there's a blob strange like there's paint there's paint like it is just so good that you you see all of these different forms in which the universe lays out and all of these you know external universes for a lack of better term i mean it's the multiverse right but to see what he looks like in every single one of them because you see so many of him as the film draws on that i thought that it was just brilliant to flesh this out here because again it's very quick because you go through so many universes that for you to have put him through all of them would have just been a pace killer. Doing it like this was it was comical, but it worked to quickly get you through and show you all of the forms of Stephen Strange. It was almost dizzying to watch, but this is where, again, and I know we keep saying it and saying it, but I will never be able to sing Sam Raimi's praises enough. In anyone else's hands... A scene like I don't I don't even think you would have got a scene like this because clearly he was having some fun with it and seeing how far they could push this and how silly they could make it almost without it completely falling apart. I I don't think that another director would have handled this material quite as well. Um, I also love where we land and this version of New York. It's so beautiful. It's so much more green. Um, and I like that this is where we're going to meet this multiverse or this version of Christine. Right. So Strange, now that we're in this other universe, Strange is set on returning to his universe to save Wong from Wanda. So they travel to find uh, this multiverse's version of Strange. After America steals a pizza bowl from Pizza Papa, he refers to Strange in his real name. He refers to him as Dr. Strange, but he does it as an insult. 
and he accuses him of stealing the cloak from the Strange Museum. We also see flashbacks of Strange in America's, uh, America's lives, including the moment when America's mothers get sucked into the multiverse when she opens the portal for the first time when she becomes afraid of a yellow jacket. Um, they haven't told us exactly what's going on yet with the Strange Museum. Right. But you're immediately intrigued and you wonder why it is that Doctor Strange has a museum in his name up to this point in time in this universe. Right, because we have seen the fallout from Thanos and the blip in our universe, but this event never really got explored in Loki. It really didn't get explored in Spider-Man other than how it pertained to Peter Parker. So... I love how they stop to make you go, huh, why does he have a museum? Why is it not Tony? Tony made the big sacrifice. So I think that was that was a really interesting choice. Bruce freaking Campbell. Pizza Papa. This was brilliant. I was hoping that he was going to have a cameo. For those that are not familiar, Bruce Campbell was in... Sam Raimi's first film that Sean was talking about earlier. It was a student film, and they have stuck together like glue ever since. Yeah, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. If Sam Raimi directs a film, Bruce Campbell is in it. Somewhere, he's in So it. this was expected, but call me crazy, I thought he was going to give him, like, a serious role. I just, God bless Bruce Campbell for just knowing what he is and sticking with it. I adore Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell this year did a Hallmark film where he plays a former folk singer. How did I miss this? Oh, that's I watched it. I had it on one night in the background. Did you, you didn't tape it? I may have. I don't remember if I did or if I didn't. I think I kind of like caught it in the middle. But like even in that, Bruce Curse Campbell it. just gives himself to everything. He basically just plays stop hitting yourself for a good 30 seconds and then it's over. And then you don't see more of him until the until the post credit scene where he tells you it's over. It I just love the fact that Bruce Campbell finds his way into this movie. No, and it doesn't feel like Sam Raimi just hooked up his boy with a role in the MCU either. Yeah, it, it all works. I also love these flashbacks that we see. Yes. We already know what's going on between Christine and Strange, but America doesn't know. And I love that we get this flashback with America and her mothers so that we see that the first time she opens this portal, it's completely by accident and what the fallout is behind it. Yes. It's just really well done. Okay, so we learn that in this universe, Strange died defeating Thanos and Mordo is now the Sorcerer Supreme. Mordo, as Strange suspected, turned against him as soon as he enters the Sanctum Santorum. In our universe, we see that Wanda has captured Wong and is watching over a universe where her children exist. One last sorcerer sacrifices herself to break Wong free, but is not entirely successful as Wanda will not be stopped. 
in the multiverse, Strange, America, and his cloak have been detained and separated into cells developed by Christine. Strange pleads with her to set him free, but she refuses to help. Wanda then takes Wong to the temple ruins where the Darkhold was first produced, which turns out to be a throne for Wanda. Pacing here is incredible because what you just just described sounds like a lot, but the back and forth between Wong and Wanda, which by the way I love they pair the way they pair off, yeah, uh, cut up against Doctor Strange in America. It's so well done. It it sounds crazy the way that you just described it, but it's flawless. Well, that's the thing, right? And I'm glad that you bring this up now because I was going to bring it up sooner rather than later. I hate how this lays out on paper. It sounds confusing. It sounds convoluted. It sounds like a horrific mess. Not through any fault of yours. Not through any fault of mine. This is just how it is. I cannot believe how well all of this plays out on screen. And that's a testament to Sam Raimi. It's a testament to the screenwriting. That they could have something that just sounds so sloppy, but as you watch it, it makes complete and total sense. It's a testament to the editing too, because they might have filmed these with the intent of them having one long sequence of, okay, you know, strange in America are trapped. We're going to leave them there for a while. We're going to have strange do his meeting, which I don't want to get too far ahead versus, uh, this whole storyline with Wong Wanda and the dark hold. Um, it just might've felt like it was dragging a little bit and it doesn't. Um, I love this moment where the the last sorcerer standing other than Wong and Strange tries to destroy the Darkhold. Uh, it's just such another amazing Sam Raimi horror visual. It is, for sure. And then in the multiverse, Mordo's back. I love that we get Mordo back. I love that it's not a wasted character. I love that he is the Sorcerer Supreme. I think all of this makes total sense. I agree. Let me ask you, though, did you trust him? Did you think that he was different in this multiverse? Absolutely not. Yeah, no. Absolutely not. And I don't think that you're supposed to. I I don't think that you're ever supposed to trust him. I agree. I just don't love the tea thing. But I think, wasn't that an ongoing bit? Either from the first one, and they do it with Thor to know Thor the beer keeps refilling. Yes. But this was an ongoing thing. All right. I'll yeah. give that a pass then. Um, The only two gripes that I have here because it starts to feel like a little too much of the same. We didn't need another WandaVision flashback where she's watching her kids. We get it. We know how unhinged she is. We didn't need to see her watching over her kids in the multiverse again. I did think that, but at the same time, you do sort of need it here because then the dreamwalking becomes too confusing. You needed her to find the Wanda that she's going to possess. I think it's less about the kids and more about reminding us that there is another person that's being controlled. I also think, and it, it ends up being such a moment for them at the end of the film, but in this moment at least, it feels like we're getting a little played out with Christine. Like, I get it. It's the one that got away, but 
we don't need at this point another reminder that she's not only the one that got away, but somehow, some way, no matter where he is, no matter what he does, she's always going to be front and center. I disagree because I love that idea. And it's kind of amazing that they managed to blend into an action horror. There's also a romance element that in any universe, they're still going to be drawn to each other. So I really like that idea. Um, And I don't think it starts to feel stale because Strange is not only bound by this glass here, but he's bound to what his relationships are in as 818 Steven. That's the universe that they're in now. Right. So that Steven blew it, as America says, with this Christine. And he's still suffering the consequences as strange, like real strange, are strange. Right. And even though he is proving to be more trustworthy as far as America goes, as far as everyone else, there's still this obstacle that that Christine can't trust him because of what 818 Strange did. Yeah. Um, in the multiverse, Stephen stands before multiversal heroes such as Captain Carter, um, Captain Marvel, which is actually Rambo, um, Richard Reed of the Fantastic Four, Black Bolt, who confirm that this is the work of the Illuminati and that they fear Strange over Wanda based on what their experience was with their version of Strange. We then see Professor Charles Xavier, who tells Strange that their version of Strange did not die defeating Thanos. This is the moment that everybody waited for. Yes. We knew that we were going to be getting a lot of what-if characters, we knew that we were going to see characters in live action that we had not seen previously. And I thought that when John Krasinski came out as Richard Reed, it was like the worst kept secret. Yeah. But it didn't make it any less exciting to see him in the role. I completely agree. And this is what I was talking about before as far as taking all of these what if scenarios and seamlessly blending them into this film like with zombie strange you know we have captain carter in what if we have uh captain marvel as as marie rambeau um but i love that they didn't just throw strange into i mean yes it is supposed to be new york but they didn't do it like in another time like say they put him in, in like the 30s or 40s, and then Captain Carter is running by instead of Steve running through Brooklyn. You know what I right. mean? Like, it would have felt so contrived. This was better. And then you reveal... Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier. I, I don't... I didn't see this coming. I don't know that anybody saw this coming. This, when we saw it, we saw it its opening weekend. This, by far, got the biggest reaction of any character that you see in this film. It was the equivalent of on your left in Endgame. It was shocking. Yeah. And and I'm really glad that's why we saw it opening weekend because we didn't want any more spoiler like cuz John Krasinski was ruined at that at that point, but I don't think anyone cared 
after Patrick Stewart came in. Yeah. Um, it was it was really a great reveal and a great scene with that court. Back at her throne, Wanda tells Wong that she doesn't want to rule the world despite having the ability to and that all she wants is her boys. And then she throws Wong off a cliff. In front of his court, we learn that the other strange had gotten out of hand and caused the decimation of another universe and helped them get the Book of Vashanti. We also see that they killed him at his will, knowing that he was the biggest threat to the multiverse and that the statue in the museum are a false symbol of a hero because, as they say, everybody needs a hero to look up to. Wanda arrives and Charles tells um, tells Doctor Strange that the Book of Ashante is there and that Stephen must take it and save America. At this point... I actually think that contrary to what we said before, there's just too much flashing back and forth. Uh, you know, Wong gets thrown off the cliff. Now we're back in the multiverse. Then we're back in the regular universe. You you didn't need to flash back and forth quite as much here. I don't think that it's quite as smooth as it was in, in the scene that we just discussed previously. I don't know. I still think the pacing is good because especially when you put it up against the first Doctor Strange, again, so much explaining and not as much action. Um, I don't think that they were trying to overcompensate for it, but there's not even a hint of regressing back there. Uh, So I, I actually appreciate the cutting back and forth, especially because it really does take you by surprise when Wong gets thrown off the cliff i thought that at some point wanda was going to try and succeed in killing him i just was not expecting it at this point especially after he gives such a great speech trying to appeal to her saying that isn't it enough just to know that somewhere in some universe you are with your children and all of you are happy and she just says no and off he goes love that for her though yeah um I mean, in any case, I think the scene is still great, and I think that the scene still works. Uh, Back in the multiverse, one by one, Wanda kills these multiverse Avengers in pursuit of the Book of Ashanti. Mordo battles Steven despite the advice from Charles, but Steven escapes anyway. Wanda pursues America and is confronted by Charles, who tells her that the Scarlet Witch is holding her mind hostage before he too is killed. Um... I wish that we had had a little bit more time with these what-if Avengers, but at the same time, I don't think that we could have because I think the running time for this film is just right, and I think the pace of this film is just right that as excited as I was to see them, and as much as I know that we can't live in that world where they exist, it doesn't mean that I didn't want to spend a little bit more time with them. I would agree, and I think in any other Marvel film, it would have worked to live with them a little bit longer. However, because we are going for horror here, you're going to destroy your pacing, especially because now we've got Scarlet Witch making another version of Wanda dreamwalk. She comes in to the Illuminati building with a limp, and she looks like Carrie. She's drenched in blood. It's incredible. And then... 
you get another added creepy element where one of the robots is saying Ultron. Yep. Ultron is part of Vision and it just makes the whole thing so much more haunting. Um, and then seeing her take them out one by one. First of all, everybody's so happy to get Reed Richards and like gone immediately. And how is she? Okay? She asks him. She's like, do, do you have a spouse that can take care of these kids? Okay, good. Someone can raise them. You're done. And then to see Captain Carter dying by her own shield. Sliced in half. It's awful. Like, not only do you wish you could have lived with them a little bit longer, but you just want her to live, especially because Haley Atwood is such a freaking fan favorite. That was brutal to watch. Yeah. And, and they it, knew it. Yeah. And it was... I could do this all day. Ugh. And then 30 seconds later, she's literally sliced in half. I cheered out loud. I remember that. Because as soon as they started fighting, I was like, say it, say it. I knew it was coming and they delivered on it. She put her own spin on the line. I loved everything about it. And, and I screamed out loud in the theater. Um, all right. Well, moving on. Christine helps free America and Stephen from their captivity as they flee from the Scarlet Witch. Using his broken watch as a key, Stephen opens a door to the space between universes where they are holding the Book of Ashanti. As Stephen tracks, uh, as Stephen takes the book, Wanda takes America, who opens a multiversal portal. She sends Stephen and Christine to one universe while handing America over to the Scarlet Witch in our universe. This is reaching a fever pitch. And this, to me, is where the horror elements really start to shine through because now Wanda has not just cut herself up even more battling all of these multiversal heroes, she is now drenched in their blood. So if you thought she looked like Carrie before, she looks even more like her now. Um, and she looks even more like a corpse and a zombie herself. I was going to say that exact thing, especially the way that they have her like gimping through these tunnels. Yeah. It's just really well done. Stephen finds this new universe's strange who guards the Darkhold and pleads for his help. This strange tells us that he will give Stephen the Darkhold in exchange for the Christine that he has brought to this universe, which, of course, he does not agree to. So they fight until Darkhold Stephen is killed and our Stephen gets hold of the book. This entire thing with the musical notes... This is just so Sam Raimi. This is Sam Raimi, like, on the nose. I love everything about this scene. Um, I I love the haunted house quality to it. Um, I love that in this universe, this strange is still fueled by Christine. Um, and that music fight, I think that also has to do with getting Danny Elfman on as the composer. Because clearly he was having some fun with this, too, where the, you get the Dracula organ playing. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So here's the thing. So well done. This is one of my favorite scenes, and I love everything about it. But this is where I can see where people don't like it. It's, it's at this point, I think, that you're either a Sam Raimi fan or you're not. And if you love his style of filmmaking, you're all on board with this. If you don't dig what he does, this is going to completely take you out of it. It's not a knock at him. 
but I can see at this point where people kind of think that the movie goes off the rails. I completely agree with that because as cool as the set is, as cool as this other version of Strange, it, he almost, it, it's not just like a haunted house strange, but he almost gives him like a rock star quality too. Um, it not only feels jarring in this film, but when you put it up against the MCU as a whole, it, it feels like a complete departure from anything they've ever done. And yet for me, it, it just works. It straight up works. Yeah, I guess that this strange helped kill the others. I'm trying to remember the exact dialogue that he has, but he says something to the effect of, it wasn't I killed the other Stevens, but it was something like I I had a hand in destroying the other Steven. I can't I don't remember exactly what it is that he says, but you're kind of led to believe that he has killed or led to the death of the other Steven Stranges throughout the multiverse. It definitely feels like he is the least trustworthy of all the Stranges and I think that they are trying to set up the idea of what happens when the dark holds uh, when when you mess with it, yeah, because he this strange does warn Stephen, um, that the dark hold will leave its mark on you or something. I forget what the exact line is, but there there is like a cautionary line like that. In our universe, we see that Wong is in fact alive. Strange awakens his corpse from earlier in the film to act in his absence to defeat the Scarlet Witch despite facing eternal consequences for his actions because now he is going to take hold of the Darkhold and he is going to dreamwalk in his own corpse. As, te- uh, as demons try and fend Stephen off, Christine fights them off to help Stephen use the spirits of the damned to defeat Wanda. This is the most evil dead that this entire thing feels. Not because of the demons. The zombie. It's not even the zombie to me. Really? The zombie Steven, he, first off, looks great, I think. Practical makeup. This is Sam Raimi. But the most evil dead thing is the camera angles. When yep. when, st- when you yeah, get yeah. when you get the view of the demon coming after Steven and the view of the demons coming after Christine where that like fisheye almost. Yeah, yeah. this this is yeah. Evil Dead. This is the exact shot that they used in Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 anytime Bruce Campbell is being attacked. The aforementioned Bruce Campbell is being attacked by any of these demons or any of these zombies. But not in a way that feels derivative because it so lends to the way that these scenes are playing out. And I agree with you too. Even the zombies, the, the or I'm sorry, the, uh, the demons, the voice of the demons, very much Sam Raimi where you go for that high-pitched possession voice yeah. instead of like you know, dropping it all the way down to like a, you know, like a scary Satan-y voice. Right. Um, I I agree with most of what you are saying. Um, I think, again, this is where they seamlessly blend what if into this film because it's not enough that we get Zombie Strange and have the corpse as proof, now we're going to utilize him in a way that does not feel forced at all because now Strange is going to dreamwalk. Um, I love the scene of the hand bursting out against the skyline. 
I love, love, love the practical effects with this zombie makeup. The only thing that I kind of, I'm so self-conscious of saying bumping on at this point, as it was called out to me this weekend by a friend of ours. Um, but I do bump on it a little bit because um, Benedict Cumberbatch's features are already so angular. The first time you see the mask, it looks cheap because you can't see his eyes. It almost looks like he's, he looks like in the first shot. Um, do you remember the Salute Your Shorts episode with Zeke the Plumber? Yeah. It looks like that bad of a mask. It gets much better, but it's just the one angle and compounded with those cheekbones that gets me at first. But otherwise, I love it. Um, the other thing that I really love here is not only do we get Wong back, but when Wanda realizes that Strange is dreamwalking, her reaction is not like, wow, there's a zombie. She just calls him a hypocrite for doing what she's doing. Right. And... It gets even better. Um, hypocrite is what Cassilius calls the Sorcerer Supreme in Doctor Strange. I thought it was an interesting choice of a word for Wanda to use, especially because, like I said, there's no reaction to the zombie. She just calls him out. Yeah. But they bring it back to the first one. Because that was the whole issue with the Sorcerer Supreme is that she was drawing power and you didn't know if you could trust her or not. She became a very conflicted character. And I wonder if that is what they are setting Strange up for moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, all right. So Wong scales back up the clip, uh, cliff while Corpse Steven battles Wanda. They take hold of Wanda and and Wong tells Steven to take America's power, but instead Steven tells her to trust her powers and that she can, in fact, harness them. America battles Wanda while Wanda strangles her. America sends her to a multiverse where her children see the Scarlet Witch for what she really is and become afraid of her after she injure, uh, injures the multiverse Wanda that is their actual mother. The multiverse Wanda tells our Wanda that the boys will be loved. So the Scarlet Witch returns to her throne while Wong and America escape. Wanda destroys the Darkhold so as to never be tempted again along with her fortress. What a scene with these kids. I love everything about this. Even leading into it, that our strange trusted America. He did what none of the other strangers in the multiverse were able to do and let her fight her own battle. And that this was her solution to go straight for Wanda's Achilles heel. She punches her a couple of times. That moment between them is great where they're fist fighting. Uh, Cause Wanda's like, did you really just do that to me? Um, but it doesn't even matter because America goes straight for the jugular, hitting her where it is going to hurt the most with her children. The one thing, the reason that she is doing all of this and to expose the Scarlet Witch for what she is and, and to see these kids afraid of her and the pain that she feels, the whole thing is just so well done. Right. When she says, I'm going to give her exactly what she wants. Yeah. Um, it's a great scene and it's a great scene with the multiversal Wanda. Yeah. When she tells our Wanda as the Scarlet Witch, who's literally 
sobbing on her knees because the kids don't want to be anywhere near her, that they will be loved. And it, it's basically saying the same thing that Wong said earlier, but because she's hearing it from a version of herself, it has a completely different meaning, and she cuts right to the core of it. I, I just love how this entire thing plays out, and I love that ultimately Wanda does the right thing. Yes. Because you know that Wanda is unhinged. We saw this in WandaVision. She is unhinged and she is emotional and she lets her emotions get the best of her. But ultimately you can always trust that she's going to do the right thing. It's just that unfortunately she has a body count behind her by the time she gets to that point. Well, she became exactly what she feared all in the name of her children. But because her eyes were on the prize, which was her kids, everything else, no matter what the means were, she didn't care if it meant getting to them. So this is such a huge moment for her. Um, I'm glad that she was given the chance to do the right thing by destroying not just the Darkhold, but the temple. Um, Does this fully redeem her, though? I think that's something we're going to see on down the line. I'm glad that we leave her in a good place, that she, she acknowledges what she needs to do. But I don't know that she's getting back on the lunchbox anytime soon. In the multiverse, Strange says goodbye to Christine and tells her that he loves her in every universe, but that he is scared, and that's ultimately why he never made a life with her. But she tells him to face his fears, and he returns to Camartage, where America trains to be a sorcerer. Stephen returns to New York, where he repairs his broken watch, but he spawns a third eye due to his use of the Dark Hold. What an ending. What a great ending to this movie. I like everything about it, except where he says that he's scared. I wish they had just left it at I will love you in every universe because he was able to man up enough to tell her that. Now it's a matter of are you going to do that in your universe? Probably not because she is married. Right. So what's his name? Greg, I think is his name. Greg under George? Charles. (laughs) Charles. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I thought it was Charlie because she says I'm gonna I'm gonna it go was Charlie. get him. You're right. It was Charlie. But he's kind of a fan. It's Charlie. I don't know why I got Greg or George, but you're right. It was Charlie. I would love to see that explored if they do another one. How strange is like if if him and Christine are good enough to like team up for the next adventure, they're gonna be foiled by this fanboy. Yeah. Um. Do you have? Anything else, or is it time for our final say on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? Nothing to add, so I'll give my final review if that's cool. Go for it. Uh, I love this movie on all levels. I love it as a Marvel flick. I love it as a Sam Raimi flick. Uh, And I just love how the two get so seamlessly blended together. I mean... We should know that because this is not Sam Raimi's first stab at a superhero film. I think people forget about Spider-Man because that iteration was so long ago. Yeah. But he has done both genres and he does both so well. And I'm so happy that he got the opportunity to marry the two here. Um, I love what this does for all of the Doctor Strange characters. Um, I mean, for me, you can never get enough Wong. Yeah. He's fantastic. Um, I love that Christine gets a redemption arc as compared to the first Doctor Strange. 
And I love that we finally have a Doctor Strange movie in which we get to see the Doctor Strange that we know and like. Um, I liked the first one more and more upon rewatch and with more context as we got more Avengers films. But I didn't love him on his own. Um, So with more rewatches, I definitely have a greater appreciation for his first film and for the character. But to me, this is one of those rare occurrences where the sequel is better than the original. This movie blows the first film out of the water Um, for all of the reasons that you mentioned. So I'm not going to rehash most of that. I will say that this is, for me, controversial. This is a top three Marvel film for me. Wow, I was not expecting that. This is in the top three. For sure. I I put it up there. I put it up there with Endgame. I, I put it up there with the first Iron Man film. I put it up there with Captain America, the first Avenger. I put it up there with Civil War. I I... I think that this movie is a top three Marvel film. That's what's surprising to me is, I mean, it it's great, but to hear you who loves the Cap trilogy so much, to hear you put Strange amongst those ranks, that's that's a big deal. I, I, I rank it up there with Ragnarok. I really think that this film deserves a place in its top three, and I want more. I want more Doctor Strange. We know that we're going to get it, but now I'm really excited to see where this franchise can go. So, we want to know what you have to say about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. This is a really polarizing film, and I'd love to hear from you. You can let us know your thoughts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. You know what's amazing is that both of us just gave our final synopsis, and we didn't even mention Wanda at all whatsoever. And she is, um, when I first saw this, she was what really made me fall in love with this. But but you knew she was going to be great. The problem was never about making Wanda likable. It was about, can he carry a solo film? Because in his first attempt, it really didn't work. No, but I think the question also becomes is how does she fare against uh, fare as the villain? Because we've seen her descent as a character, but we've never seen an Avenger as an opposing force like this. And that that's a conversation in and of itself. But... Um, to your point, you know, we will get more Doctor Strange, but I, I think we're definitely going to get more of her, too. I mean, certainly I think we're going to get a little sprinkle in the Agatha series. Um, I should hope so. And I'm wondering if they're both going to play a role in Mania. Well, we're going to find out in, at this point, just a few more weeks, right? We are going to take a quick break, and uh, I don't know, was there any news today? Hmm... I don't know. All right. Well, I guess we're going to have to really stretch this one out a little bit. We're really going to have to dive for some news, I guess, I'm right? I'm sure we'll find something. News of the week is coming up. First, a quick break. If you're thinking of booking a trip to a Disney destination, you have to contact Jackie Zalezi from Magical Vacation Planner. My husband and I recently celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary and wanted to go on a trip, just the two of us. Jackie suggested Disneyland, knowing we'd never been and I had been dreaming of going. 
I am so thankful for her suggestion as it was the most magical way to celebrate. Jackie got us a fantastic deal, but still constantly check for discounts to make sure we are guaranteed the lowest price. Having recently visited Disneyland, she was a great source for helpful information and had suggestions for everything, including meals, Max Pass, even places to visit in Los Angeles on our non-park day. Upon arrival at our hotel, we experienced the easiest check-in because Jackie had taken care of everything. Throughout our trip, Jackie was in constant contact, making sure we had everything we needed and answering any questions we had. Our vacation was perfect. All thanks to Jackie Zalezi from Magical Vacation Planner. So if you are interested in completely free assistance planning your Disney vacation, maybe you want to go see Doctor Strange over at Avengers Campus. You can get in touch with me through any of our social media outlets at Monoreal Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email me directly at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. Hi, this is Kelly from Carmen Kismet, your official Monorail news sponsor, and I am very excited to throw it over to Sean and Jackie to talk all about the Disney news, but before before I do that, I want to make sure that I share with you guys where you can check out all of my Disney-inspired art at KarmaAndKismetDesigns.com. Please don't forget that listeners of the show get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout to see all of Kelly's work and all of the services that she offers. It is online at KarmaAndKismetDesigns.com. That's Karma, the letter N, KismetDesigns.com. We knew that Epcot Forever was coming back. We knew that Happily Ever After was coming back, but we didn't know exactly when. A lot of people had speculated that it would be on April 1st because the last day of March is the final day to celebrate Disney 50, but we have solid dates. Both Happily Ever After and Epcot Forever are returning on April 3rd. Happily Ever After seems like it's coming back for the foreseeable future, whereas Epcot Forever is going to be another temporary hold until the next Epcot Fireworks show comes. I am so excited about both of these, even though we knew that they were coming. At this point, though, talk about polarizing. I wish that they would just leave Epcot forever in place. I know that people of a certain age appreciate Epcot forever, and if you're not of that age group, say if you were born after 1994, you probably don't have a reference to most of what's happening in that show. But, I mean, we saw how Harmonious turned out. I, I wish they would just leave Epcot forever at this point. I do, too. I mean, I absolutely fell in love with it, but I think that has to do with being born and, and growing up during what I will call peak Epcot time. Uh, no disrespect to Guardians, but you're no veggie fruit fruit. Anyway, um... I think bringing back Epcot Forever is more about a celebration of the 40th anniversary. And to me, like, I get where Harmonious was going. I do appreciate what it did to incorporate all of the different countries and cultures into one show and have the classic songs that we love sung in the native language. It was wonderful. And that is a reflection of what Epcot 40 should be as it pertains to World Showcase. But there is a whole other section of the park. And what they are doing with, now that all of these renovations are underway again, I think that Epcot Forever is a better reflection of everything, especially because this was truly Walt's dream. And I think that no matter what happens moving forward, even if they leave 
Uh, I think that's why there was so much speculation about this changing on uh, April 1st. Not only is it the end of the 50th anniversary celebration of Walt Disney World, we would have six months left of Epcot 40. So I think they're trying to give us the back end of that. Um, but moving forward, I think no matter what happens, any show that they do needs to incorporate that Walt audio a little bit. If they just married Epcot 40 and Harmonious together, it that would be perfect. Then you'd get everything. As far as Happily Ever After goes, I do have to say that this Wishes Stan is very excited to see it back. I think a lot of people are. Um, I think the most exciting thing, though, for a lot of people, given the news as of what's going to happen on April 3rd, is that the eyesore in the lake at Epcot will be gone forever. Yes, they've already started removing the barges. I saw um, on the Castle Run's social media, Lisa posted it earlier today, that uh, they are coming down. The it's only time. place to get a taco in Epcot will be Mexico. So here's the thing. If you can remove them, I would like to see them brought back, but only during special events. Like, it was nice when doing the Run Disney events, for example, when you run through and they would have the logo for the run or it would say, Welcome Runners. Like, it was nice running through Epcot when the park was closed and having that there. I thought that that was a nice touch. I would like to see them come back, but for like special events like that, I would not like to see them left there all day, every day. Oh, make no mistake. Those things cost so much money. They will be recycled somewhere. It would not even surprise me if we see them uh, at Animal Kingdom. Could be. They have the space for it. I guess we're going to find out soon enough. We also have, finally, have an opening date for Tron Light Cycle Run at the Magic Kingdom, April the 4th. Disney really knew what they were doing. I mean, they knew that they have dragged this out long enough, but then people were getting upset because they dragged it out even farther by dropping clues. I mean, they only did this for 24 hours. It's not like they left us hanging trying to piece this mystery together for a whole week. But I feel like, for those that aren't familiar with the Tron films, and there are a lot of people that aren't, they're just hyped on the ride but have never seen a movie. This was so on brand with the world of Tron. I love how they dropped it as if it's a computer screen with a high score. I love that they gave us a clue, CLU, like our character. Um, I thought the whole thing was brilliant. And I thought that most of the dates that they gave us were obvious enough to eliminate so that you were left with the dates for cast member preview and the Magic Kingdom opening. It's exciting. I know that I tried to get us park reservations for both of those days, but unfortunately, it's during spring break. So guess what? Us, us you know, APs that are slumming with the pixie dust pass are blacked out for both of those days. We are actually blacked out for about half of April. But they do sort of make up for it because they are going to start letting APs in after two with no reservation. Yes. 
this is kind of a huge deal for us because there have been days where like the night that we went to Hollywood studios, it was kind of on a whim based on when we were getting out of work and we went, Oh shoot. Did you make a reservation? I didn't make a, re- uh Oh, it's and Christmas we time already in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to get into that a lot more during our next Dockside chat because a lot of the other changes that are happening are affecting us more as APs. So we're going to do more of a full discussion when we have our margaritas in front of us. Yes. So uh, APs will no longer need reservations after 2 p.m. except for Saturdays and Sundays at the Magic Kingdom. That is in the fine print. Uh, self-parking, free self-parking at the resorts has returned as of today. Hey. That is back as of today. If you are a resort guest, if you are a resort guest, um, and ride photos are now included with Genie Plus. Okay. These are some changes that are made. Like you just said, we're going to hold on giving you our opinion of all of this and what we think this means because we are getting ready to record a dockside chat later this week where we discuss news topics such as this and we do recap some of the things that we have done as annual pass holders including the most recent marathon weekend. So you are going to have that in just a couple of days. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on that social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Monoreal Radio. If you want to shoot us an email, it's monorealradio at gmail.com. And for links to everything related to the show, it is going to be online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.